0: okay we're going to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls just say that to the lord lord i'm just about to receive the with meekness the implanted word the word of god that is able to save my soul to save my life to save my mind my decision making the things that i choose to do thank you lord Thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves again, and we honor your word above our own thinking, our human reasoning. And we thank you, Jesus, that your word is always living. It's always powerful. We pray we'd have the heart condition that actually receives your word this morning. Not just hearers only, but just good soil. May my heart be good soil so that your word can work what you will in my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome Pastor Adria. What a wonderful
1: song. That, that you know, the one, <laughs> the last one, wasn't it? What a gift of a song. Uh, holy forever, King Jesus. And really, it's it's, thank you, the most perfect lead-in to where I'm going to go this morning. Happy Mother's Day, I'll just say that again. Uh, King of kings and Lord of lords, we, we just, we honor you Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you it's living and we thank you it's powerful. It's not just living, it's, it's active and able to do powerful things when we receive it. And Lord, I lay myself wide open to you. If that's your prayer, pray it. I lay myself wide open to you, King Jesus. Plant in me all the seed, the good seed that you have this morning that is going to grow up and bear good fruit in my life for your glory and my blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning is a follow-on message from the message I brought last week. If you weren't here last week, you don't need to have heard part one to get part two, uh, but it's a follow-on. And we're going to start where uh, where we, I started last week, actually, with, which was a question that Jesus asked his original disciples, and he asks every disciple... In every generation. And it is a very important question. In fact, it is the most important question of our lives. Our answer to this question is life changing and eternity changing. And the question, well, it starts with the story. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 16. Uh, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying... Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Everybody knew he was the son of man. We're all son of man, daughter of man. We're all natural. But who do they say I am? And who do you say I am? So they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, like you're not ordinary. They're getting that much. They know that much that you're more than ordinary. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets, But he said to them, who do you say I am? He says to you, who do you say I am? And Peter answers in verse 16, you're the Christ. Wow. There was like a pulling back of the curtain. He saw from God's perspective who this natural flesh and blood man was before him. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ is means anointed one. Actually, all the Jews were looking for the Messiah. Another meaning of Christ is Messiah. You're the Messiah. You're the ruler of nations, he was saying. Wow, revelation. Fit to rule. You're the anointed one, fit to rule. Wow. He was seeing on more than a natural level. In other words, he's saying, you're the king, Jesus. You're the king, Jesus. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is is kind of, um, I'm talking about King Jesus, but I want to bring the big picture, and then I'm going to bring it down to personal. He's a king, or the king, with a kingdom, and it's present now. It's present in you if you're born again. It's present in his church, the kingdom of God, because the kingdom exists wherever the king reigns. But one day, this king will return to this natural earth. And it says he will judge and rule, and then his kingdom will reign over all. It's not ruling over all right now, not on the earth it isn't, but one day on the earth, his kingdom will rule over all. So it's a present kingdom now, in part. When he returns, it will reign fully. Yes, King Jesus, we welcome that day. But until then, until that day, and there will be a day, the day, when he returns. But until that day, there are two invisible kingdoms that are working out their agenda in the earth. There's Jesus, who is wanting to rescue and save, deliver us from all evil. But there's another kingdom called the kingdom of darkness, and there's another king, the ruler of this world, or the the god of this age, Scripture calls him, who seeks to kill and steal and destroy. And he influences, influences individuals and families, schools, businesses, all of society, actually. So God's wanting to bring his kingdom into the earth, But there's another small king, inferior king, God with a small g of this age, who is wanting to bring his kingdom, kingdom of darkness, into the earth. One John chapter five, verse nineteen says this. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. I was thinking of trees. You know, when trees sway in the wind, you can't see the wind, but my gosh, you can see the influence. You can't see him, the enemy, he's an invisible spirit being, but my gosh, you can see the influence. You know, his handiwork, you see it all around you, broken homes, broken families, broken lives, broken, broken, broken. That's all he does is break, break things down, kill, steal and destroy. And his thinking, it influences so much It influences the laws we're governed by. It influences the culture we live in, people's ideas and way of life. That's culture. And it is in direct conflict to the kingdom of God. Polar opposite. God's thoughts and ways are not the thoughts and ways of this world. And I want to say something, and I know it might make you feel uncomfortable, but if you can live in this world without conflict there's a problem (laughs) really something's wrong you know if unrighteousness and deceit and a lack of mercy all the things that aren't God don't bother you then there's a problem we should be bothered we should have conflict in this world. And Jesus came with this message. And it's such a powerful, brilliant to be celebrated message. And his, king, his message is this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If something's at hand, it's near. He's not far. He's not far from any one of us that we may reach for him and find him. If you want to find Jesus, you can. He's not far. Yes. But you have to repent. Repentance is the way in to his kingdom. And actually, repentance is the way you continue in his kingdom. And a brilliant sign to kind of um, explain repentance, really, is a U-turn. You're going one way, your own way, and you're like, oh, if you get a revelation, you're the Christ, the one fit to rule. Okay, then I'm going to leave it. I'm going your way. I trust you that this way is not only my eternal salvation, but actually the best plan for this life, in this world, in the here and now. Instead of self as king, Jesus, your king, fit to rule. But the God of this age, the devil, it's really good to be, you know, some people get uncomfortable when we talk about the devil. It's very good to be um, aware of his schemes, have a consciousness. We do live in a world where God is very real and very powerful, superior in every way to the enemy. But there is an enemy who has some power, limited, but still he has power to sway and influence people. But he whispers, not just to unbelievers, but to believers as well, live for yourself. Serve yourself. Build your life on self, because that's a really great plan. That's the way you're going to be most blessed. So build yourself or build your life on what you do. Build your life on what you can achieve. Build your life on what you own what you buy, the things that you have to show everybody how successful you are. Build your life on that. Build your life on how good you are. Build your life on how right you are. Can anybody spot a problem? Please tell me you can. It's all building on self and we're not here to show anybody how good and right and successful and prosperous we are. But we are here to show that he is good and that he is right. Yes. Come on. Yes. I've been reading through I did it one after another and I really I encourage you to do the same. I read Galatians first then Romans. Oh my my my. Study them. Don't just pick. Please. Cuz it's so important. It will affect everything about you and your life and your future because there's a message running through those two books that is vital, okay, and that is the difference between flesh and spirit, works or grace. And really the summary of it, and it really is brief, a summary of Galatians and Romans for you this morning, flesh, all of our flesh, works to get praise, faith or life in the spirit, a life in the spirit or a life of faith depends on God and gives him praise, right? There's a clear difference. One is building on me and the other's building on him. One is dependent on me, the other is dependent on him. Romans 8 verses 12 to 13 says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. for if, if you live according to the flesh. You will die. But if by the spirit. You put to death. The deeds of the body. Or life in the flesh. You will live. Ha. Huh. Right. Well let's unpack, unpack. Flesh is the part of you. That has not submitted to God. It can be your body. It's certainly your soul, your own wants, desires, and attitude that aren't submitted to God yet. That's flesh. It opposes God. The Bible says it wars against the spirit. All of our flesh, and my own included, it wants to be in the driving seat. Or if I can put it in another way, your flesh, same as mine, wants to drive. Flesh drives... Spirit leads, right? There really is a difference because, in fact, we're going to look at the verse 14 of that same chapter. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So the Spirit leads. But here's top tip of how to know the difference between your own flesh and the Spirit, right? Your flesh is like a push, a force really, and it's unwilling to yield, That's the force or the drive of the flesh. The spirit, there's a peace to it, a calmness to it, right? So flesh is always wanting to draw attention to itself. Mostly it will try and do it in a kind of behind-the-scenes inconspicuous way because we don't want to look proud. But ultimately it's wanting to draw attention to itself because it's wanting to prove itself. We can be duped into thinking that somehow we're going to find our value and our significance in ourselves and what we do. But it's a flawed plan. (laughs) It really is. It's a very bad idea. Because you know, when we succeed in the flesh, up we go. So pleased with ourselves. Or if we fail in the flesh, down we go. So depressed and fed up with ourselves. Neither way is good, Jesus says. Go back to that verse 13. Am I speaking to anybody this morning or just me? I hope, I hope we're all getting something out of this. Well, for if you live according to the flesh, the Bible says, look, it, it, it's pretty ultimate that. It's not just it will be painful, although it will be painful, but you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh or the body that unsubmitted you, you will live. If you're born again this morning, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. And everything he is at work to do is to point to Jesus. He will point you to Jesus, and he's wanting your whole life to point others to Jesus. And he is saying, "Look look at him. Look at him. Stop looking at you. Look at him. Believe him. Build your life on what he says. Never mind what everybody else says. Never mind what you even say about yourself. Look at him. Build your life on what he says. If you know who you are in Christ, right, called, chosen, How many people want to feel significant? We all want to feel significant. You couldn't be more significant. You've been chosen by God himself. Called, chosen, significant, justified. Slate wiped clean. Just as if you'd never sinned. Justified, made right with God. If you know that, you can take any job and not be belittled by it. (laughs) Because your identity and your value isn't in what you do. It's such a freedom. Truly, it's such a freedom. Does God want us to succeed and prosper? Yes. He absolutely does. You know, beloved, I pray that you be in health and prosper just as your soul prospers. Does he want us to have stuff? Absolutely, he wants you blessed. So long as stuff doesn't have you. And he said to Joshua, you remember Joshua 1 verse 8, basically he said, pay attention to my word, get it in you day and night, because actually your whole success hinges on that. If you read it and you observe to do it, you will make your own way prosperous, you'll have good success. Does God want you successful? Yes, absolutely he does. Does he want you to do it dependent on you? No, and a thousand times, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You see, it's in conflict with the world. It's the opposite to the world. This whole world is geared towards proving self. From this high, you know, from like even nursery school, awards and school qualifications, and then you finally get a job. And what it is I do, my title, You know, build it, build it on you and what you can do, says the world. Try harder, try better. If you fail, get up, dust yourself down, try again. The Bible calls it the arm of the flesh. (laughs) And we need to teach ourselves and we need to teach our children how to depend on Jesus and build on him. How do we do that? In real terms, how do we do that? Well, we pray, we read the word and we pray like, i got a spelling test this week, Dad. I've got a maths thing coming up. or I've got no friends at school. What are we going to do about that then? We're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus to help. We're going to ask Jesus to provide. Not give you a better pair of trainers. Or I'm not saying don't learn your maths or your spelling, but do you know what I mean? Don't sweat it out and not turn to Jesus. Jesus, help. I'll do what I can do, but Jesus, help help, help. And then when they do succeed, let's praise him. Come on. Let's give him the glory. Look how good he is. Here's our God who hears and answers prayer. Prayer and praise, prayer and praise. That's how we depend on him. Build our lives on him so that we're free. Like this is a big and crucial message I'm bringing this morning. It's like, if we get this, I tell you, oh happy day. You're free to have, you're free to not have. Do you know what I mean? You're free to drive that nice car or you're free to drive that banger, but it doesn't matter because that doesn't define you. It's not who you are. Your identity isn't wrapped up in it. Your value isn't wrapped up in it. You don't need the applause of men because you're living for the applause of someone so greater and so much more important. Living for him. Trusting him to bless you and prosper you as and when he likes. Lord, if you're giving it, I want it. If you're not giving it, I don't want it. Because I trust that you know best, right? So let's not live our world, our life like the world does. They, they chase after all sorts of gods, don't they? Scripture says, Their sorrows will be multiplied who chase after other gods. They promise so much and yet you end up getting sadder and sadder. And so you try another god. Oh, that didn't work. So I try another god. And (laughs) gods can be different things to different people. It might be your job. Or maybe it is money that's vying for position on that throne. Or maybe it's a relationship, another person. So many things that the enemy will suggest to you can fulfill you. So many things want to take God's place. Now, I didn't want to bring these scriptures this morning. Um, I was like, oh, Lord, this is a bit hot and strong. But I I couldn't get away from it. So I was like, King Jesus, it's your word. We're your people. You bring it as you want it. So we're going to go to James chapter 4 and verse 1 to 5. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do, you know the, do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrong, that you may spend it on your pleasures to build life on self. Adulterers and adulteresses, betrayers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Oh, it couldn't be more clear, could it? Hmm. The first commandment that God gave to his people was you shall have no other God's before me. And when I was preparing the message this week, I know exactly where I was in the house. I was in the kitchen, making a cup of tea. And I just heard the Lord say to me, I'm not happy with second place on the podium. Oh I? Oh like you're on there, Lord. You're one of the three of my most important things. Just not the top one. Well, he's not happy with second place. He's certainly not happy with third place or anywhere else down the line. Everything works. This is the thing, you see. Everything works when Jesus has the top place, the first place. Things get strained and scratchy and stressed. And they spiral, actually, when he's not number one. God has made us, and he knows how Life works best. He wants to give every one of us here and every one of us listening a great life, a great journey through. We're only going to do it once, by the way, just one trip through. And He wants it to be great. And He wants you to enjoy it. And He wants you blessed. He really does. And He wants you to leave a legacy for those who are going to follow behind. Hmm. But it only happens, it only will be great, and it only will be blessed. And you only will leave a good legacy if Jesus has top place, number one position. James 4, verses 6 and 7 says this. But he gives more grace. Oh, love that. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for the more grace. Thanks for the grace, but thanks for the more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. Oh my! I mean, we don't generally like proud people ourselves. You kind of want to take a sidestep away from them. But God resists the proud, yet He gives grace to the who, to the humble. Grace to the humble. Verse seven. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, that real enemy. God of this age, He will flee from you. Right. Power comes through the submission. Or yes. well, I'm going to put it another way. Power over the enemy and power over our own flesh. If you've been really struggling with your own flesh, it comes through the submission. We can't resist him in our own strength. You can't resist him through good intention and grit determination. It comes through submission. And I've put it this way. We've got it on a slide. Our power to resist is in our willingness to submit you could almost measure it in the measure that I'm submitted to God is the measure of his power I have in my life so we submit and we trust him that's the thing we submit and we trust him with the consequences because you know God is good He's so good. He's, he's, he's gooder than we even know. He's more good than we know. God is love, Scripture says. If you want to know who God is, he's summed up in the word love. God is love. God is for us. God has plans towards us, yes. plans towards you, yes. not of evil, it says, of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope and a future, a good future, the best future, better than you could ever carve out with all your own good ideas and plans an effort, a hope, and a good future. I want the power of God in my life, don't you? I so want the power of God. I want to know I've got the power of God when I pray. I want to know when I pray, things change. I want the power of God in my circumstances so that I can live over and not under. I want the power of God to be like Jesus, to bear good fruit, you know, in the home at work, wherever I am, to not act and react in the flesh, but be like Jesus. I certainly want the power of God to resist the devil. Anybody here want that? Come on. Of course we do. He's a real and present danger, Hmm. which is why we have to keep the helmet of salvation on at all times, see things from God's perspective, not natural, low-level 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Sadly, and I myself, you know, I, I so want to see more of the power of God. I'm not seeing everything I believe for and want to see yet. But I have some evidence of God in my life, and I'm so grateful for that. But sadly, so many Christians just live with the talk, you know, the flat and empty words. Not much power, not much evidence. It's just words. But power comes through the submission, you see. And, you know, very often that is doing what we know to do. We actually know a lot. I think we're probably, surely we've got to be the most well-taught generation of the church in all of church history. You can Google and go online and listen to a message on any subject, any time of the day or night. We know a lot. Even if you're a new Christian, you know, you know a fair bit. But the problem is not in what we know. The, the power shortage is not because of knowledge or lack of knowledge. It's in our willingness to apply what we know. Maybe you're waiting on God to do something. You know, probably a lot of you are waiting on God to do something. But let me just bat that one back at you and say, maybe he's waiting on you. Maybe he's waiting on you to do something, you know. I'll just put this out there. Has God asked you to do anything that you still haven't done yet? I'm not asking for a raise of hands, by the way. But it may well be that there are things that he has spoken to you about. If you're honest, put his finger on. And maybe has been putting his finger on for a while. But you've still not done it. Forgive someone. Say sorry. Do you owe someone an apology? Maybe it's to start doing something. Or stop doing something. You know, an attitude. A way of thinking or speaking or treating Somebody or something. You know, stop doing something, start doing something. Maybe he's telling you to take a faith step to get you to where he wants you to go, but you've just been putting it off, doing the delay tactics, which we can all do. But you know, we have no more power than unbelievers like that. Where there's no submission, there's no power. Yes. You know, we have no more power than our unbelieving friends and work colleagues and neighbors and family. And they may say to you, would you go to church? Oh, yeah, well, I go to church. There's no power in just going to church. It's great to come to church and sit under the word. But the power or evidence of God comes in your life when you start to apply what you've heard. So let's not just go to church, church, speaking to myself this morning. Let's Do what he tells us to do. Yes, King Jesus. All right then. You want it that way, you got it that way. Because you're the anointed one fit to rule. I can't understand how that's going to do that, but I just trust you. I trust you. I shared last week, I got a puppy. It's been quite a shock. I'm still in shock to have this ball of energy. And um, I knew it would be a mess. And I knew it would be hard work, but he is triple anything I ever expected. Uh, he's cute, praise God. At least he's got that going for him. But he is, I mean, he is a skip load of work. Day and night, day and night. And, um, and I can cope with the mess and I can cope with the work of it. But it's the biting that really gets me, if I'm honest. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I said to him the other day, Frank, I call him Frank when he's naughty. His name's Frankie. I said, Frank, yes, you're cute, but right now you're behaving like a baby crocodile with springs in his legs. I mean, he can, for a little thing, he jumps high. All the time, these sharp, razor-sharp teeth going. It's painful. And honestly, honestly, I also, you know, just tired with it. I just felt a bit beside myself. Like, what do I do with this thing? I just wanted to shut the door, get my car keys, and (laughs) drive. Please, you're a maniac. Anyway, I got before the Lord, and I just said, Lord, I need you, is what I prayed. That was the sum of my prayer. I need you. And do you know what I heard straight away? You've got me. You've got me. Then I heard, go and read your notes. Well, that was a surprise, Because normally the Lord wants us to spend time with him, really. You know, that's the first time I've ever heard the Lord tell me to go away, in a sense. He said, go and read your notes. Sam's brother and uh, his partner, they're vets, and they have kindly lent me these dog training books. Well, they're brilliant. They are, but you've got to do it. And the problem was, I'd taken notes from these books, There it was, the answer sitting on my kitchen table whilst I'm there in the lounge on my knees like, Jesus. And he's like, go read your notes. And actually, I was doing some of it, but it was a bit hit and miss. And one of the things I'd written in my jotter was consistency, consistency, consistency. Mm. And isn't that the case? So often we can do the one thing he's asked us to do, but we do it just the once. You know, we might have been in the flesh for 10 years. Then we think, you know, oh, well, I'll forgive on this occasion. No evidence of God. Right then. You know, we've got to keep going with it and trust him with it. But be consistent. It doesn't work unless you do it. It doesn't work unless you do it. And you can underline your Bible in all the colors of the rainbow. But quite frankly... (laughs) Quite frankly, frankly, unless you put it into practice, it ain't going to do no good. It just isn't. And it has to play out in the small things, the ordinary things of life, the things that so often we think aren't that important. Do you know what? Stuff I find out the more I go on. He is really interested in the detail. Buying something you don't have peace about, if you're honest. Doing something, you don't have peace about. One of the ways the Spirit leads, sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. One of the ways the Spirit leads is with peace. You have peace when you're in the will of God or about to step into the will of God. And you lose it when you don't. The way you treat people. Do you know, he cares a lot about that. He really cares about how we treat people. He's grieved When we mistreat people, when we belittle them, or when we're rude or impatient, he's bothered by that. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You might know the scriptures. <laughs> you might even be able to quote that one. Oh, that'd be ironic, wouldn't it? But still, you might know the scriptures, but it's all talk and no power if it's not playing out in the way you treat people and the way I treat people. The people around us need the love of God. It starts in the home, and it works out. The actual love of God. And Verse 9, I love this verse of 1 John it says in this the love of God was manifested or made visible towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him right those last six words of that verse nine I've underlined in turquoise because turquoise is my Jesus color (laughs) turquoise that we might live through him that I might live through him And I've written in pencil the master plan that I might live through Him. He's in me; I'm in Him. That He might, that I might live through Him. I saw it like um, water through a tea bag, right? Sorry, Lou, but on this occasion, He's the tea bag, right? (laughs) My life through Him. So He, so what comes out is not water; it's tea. (laughs) What? <laughs> Come on. What comes out is not me, it's him. Because I'm living it through him. Look like Jesus, sound like Jesus. Oh, grace of God. It's not our effort, you see. It's not our power, it's his. And if I submit to him and you submit to him, more than just a prayer. Prayer's good, but prayer can't be where the full stop comes If I submit to him with a prayer, but then with an action step, a step of faith, oh my gosh, he's manifest. We start to see signs of life, church. Like, oh, that was God. There's some evidence of God. There's proof. Our true and living God. It's like the branch attached to the vine, the life flows. Sin separates us from God. Works of the flesh, you detach. I've written in my journal years ago, but I've remembered it. Works of the flesh equal frustration. So much trying. Sweat. You know, the priests had to wear linen so that they didn't sweat. He doesn't want us to be sweating. Come on. And if it's works of the flesh, you try so hard to live the Christian life. You can have the best intentions in the world. You start in bed in the morning, lying down. Oh, Jesus, I just want to be like you today. I just want to... All my response is to glorify you and just be like you were literally living through my body, because that's what you want to do. And then your feet hit the ground, you meet somebody else in the house, and boom. (laughs) All your good intentions go out the window. Because they rile you in some way, we can't do it by ourselves. Romans seven. Oh, I've loved reading Romans. Romans seven. You feel the agony of it. I keep on doing what I don't want to do, and yet I don't do what I really want to do. And isn't that how it is? And it says in verse twenty-four, "O oh, wretched man that I am! Who will save me from this?" Praise God for verse twenty-five. Jesus, Jesus, he will save you. Dependence on him, that will save you. It's time, church, to get back really to the real Jesus, which means we go to the cross. Hmm. It's the death first before the life. You want a resurrection, you're going to have a death first. Romans 8. We're actually going to finish with Galatians twenty, verse uh, two, verse twenty. I've been crucified with Christ, ha, huh. and I no longer live, really. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live on the nineteenth of March, twenty twenty-three, in this body, the life I now live. Uh, Where am I? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, there's the key, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. That verse, that one verse there, that sums up the Christian life for you. The successful Christian life, the real Christian life. I'm dead, he lives. No longer I, him. Not building on me, him. All my eggs are here in this basket because he is so reliable. He's the rock worth building all my life on. Everything else is sinking sand and will crash and fall. Him. You know, that, that verse, I've nearly finished, but that verse was written by the Apostle Paul. My gosh, that man was a high achiever. Oh, oh, oh. He, he lists it, all his accolades. Seed of Abraham tribe of Benjamin, this and that and the other. And you know what he said? I count it all rubbish that I may gain Christ. He took the gospel to all the known world, to Spain, to Italy, to Greece, throughout the Mediterranean. He wrote more than half the New Testament. We wouldn't know what we no, if it wasn't for him. He's been invaluable to the kingdom of God, but he learned to live it out in the Galatians 2.20 way. Yes. Not I, but Christ. This grace, this power that works. It says in Colossians, basically, I work harder than you all. I strive, but not according to my own work, but it's his working or his power that works in me. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body from here on in, oh, I'm living it with faith in you, King Jesus. Let's stand.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to Kingdom Faith. SW.com